is that because of the self-centeredness, everything that comes through us will basically say it's us. Yeah? So everything can stay in plain sight but have the perfect camouflage. Because even people in recovery, this happens a lot. You know, mine will go off on this for a while. It's the same point. See, everyone's recovering from something. Yeah? And to me... The root cause of let's of the seeming dilemma is self-centeredness or being identified as a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. Yes. What happens happens is that produces a extreme agitation, and then quote unquote you want to get out of it, and that's the addictions. So when I got loaded, I was trying to get out of me, basically. Yeah. So the addiction is to get out of that addiction. Now, if you deal with the addiction on a certain level, it won't get to the real root of the problem because it's not alcoholism. It's identification as self, really. Because I've seen people who get great relief from an AA, but they still have the basic tenets of self-centeredness running them. In other words, we have a statement that when you go into recovery, you admit that you are powerless over alcohol, and you can say drugs, and then your life became unmanageable. Now, that's not, it sounds like cause and effect, but we have another statement that says, we're alcoholics and we cannot manage our own lives. That's a clear way for me. So, if you hear the word powerlessness, it means like, when you're dancing with a gorilla, you're going to stop when the gorilla wants to stop. I mean, you don't have much say how long the dance is going to go because the gorilla is more powerful. So, you would think that if you got that idea that your life, you were powerless over alcohol and drugs, that the head wouldn't be apt to mind so much guilt and shame from the behavior that was demonstrated when you were under the influence of alcohol and drugs. But it, does, it doesn't work for most alcoholics. They still have huge amount of guilt and shame getting produced by what they thought they did when they were getting loaded. Because that's in the that's in the identification of self. That's not alcoholism. That's the root of it. The identification of self is rooted in being the doer of actions. It's primary for the whole story to go on. That when an action occurs, there must be an actor. Yeah? It doesn't see just verbs. It always implies a noun, how to do something. So they get relief from alcoholism, but they don't get relief from that. So they have a lot of guilt and shame still on the behavior that they exhibited out there under the influence. So they don't really get the statement of being powerless. Because if you did, you'd be relieved of the of the guilt and shame. How do they then deal without the alcohol? How do they then deal with the Well, therapy and tons of other ways. Yeah? Tons of stuff. Yeah. That's the dilemma. Yeah, we'll go into the thing. When we do start the talk, this is just a warm-up, that if you can disagree or agree, but do it silently, then we'll have the questions. Because we'll cook something up. But at this point, this is just... So let's say we're at meetings, yeah? And I go... You know, we go to a lot of meetings. And what happens is you're in a room, sort of like this, with a lot of people, and people are basically sharing their thoughts, their feelings, and their reactions to life and you're hearing them, and you identify with what they're saying, and after a few months, you go, I can only come to two conclusions. How did all these people get my thoughts? Or, what's next? 
they're not my thoughts. Yeah? People very rarely get to that second part. They sit in the meeting and they go, man, it's amazing how all of you think just like I do. And you're there going, I, you'd like to push them off the board, the diving board. They're right there. Just push, just jump in. Let your mind go, you know. But the framing of the self-centeredness of being the body catches it and then it doesn't go any farther. So it says, oh, every, I can't believe you think just like me and you feel just like me and you've done the heinous things that I did. Yeah. Yes, and obviously if I did and you did, then they're not mine. <laughs> that something is taking over all of us. Yeah. So when I go to meetings in recovery, I don't identify with who the person is. I identify with what's taking them over because I've lived under this tyranny that they've been lived under. And we're sharing about living under that tyranny that parasitical takeover, and we're sharing how it's like to live. It's like living in a, you know, people who were in the Holocaust would get together and they talk about what their experiences were living in the, in the concentration camps. You would identify if you were in the concentration camp, wouldn't you? You'd go, wow, Jesus Christ, that's exactly how I felt. Yeah, this is what happens. The self-centeredness has got an incredible strategy because... It's presenting life as it's you. So, here's the game board of life, let's say. And we, in most cases, this is what I witnessed. I go to talks, satsang talks, and I hear people. And there was no way the message was going to override what was catching the message. Some, some myth came up really fast and made that message palpable to fit in its frame. Not having the frame just get broken and whoop, no, oh, I'll fit it in, yeah, the mental state. And then, okay, it's neutered in a way, and then what happens? You go to 800 meetings. The, sponsor, the, instant, the instantaneousness, the, you know, the combustibility of that recognition, yeah, doesn't occur. It's like diffused. And then, and it's a, a long fuse is added on, and then you have to go. Then you again capitulate back to that system of doing and having. You know, I gotta do a lot of stuff before I get even ready to get to have that which I already am. I mean, if you look at it, it's insanity, literally. <laughs> you know, I got, I'm not ready. I haven't done enough. And I definitely haven't, I, got, I haven't gotten enough yet to be really ready to be me. Give me a fucking break. It'll go, I can go on for lifetimes. And that's why the spiritual business has got the greatest business plan. It can hook you for not just this lifetime. You're gonna, it's going to take lifetime. <laughs> you're going to have to sign up for like 400 years. <laughs> oh yeah, and there's no... If they were factories, they would have been closed down for not producing the goods. They would have, would have just, they would have been, it's over. But they, we have so we've been taken for a fucking story because we have no idea. Our reference is off. We can't take, let it get in and so, oh, Jesus Christ, that seems insane. We're looking from insanity. So other insanity looks, looks makes sense. Yeah. This is why they say in Zen, you'll have, you know, 
whatever will seemingly occur, and then blue will be blue, and red will be red, and green will be green. Things will become obvious to you with no thought or effort on your part. It's just all of the potentialities right there. It's just not being accessed because we're trying to access it. It's like there's a story, there's a thing I used to use called knocking on heaven's door, right? So here's heaven, got a beautiful door. Let's say I, you know, whatever, I was, I was a spiritual seeker and I, I just, you know, I, I felt very uncomfortable and I decided I want to go to heaven, you know. So I'm going to go, so I knock on heaven's door and immediately the door opens with threw me off, you know, like God seemed to be right behind the door. And there's God, and I go, God, can I come in? God says, looks right at me, says, Paul can't come in. So I go, what? So I say, all right, I go back, and I really start working hard, meditating. I got, I've got a list of all the retreats I've done, and the people I've sat with, and all the DVDs I've bought, and everything else like that. And I'm looking the part, you know, I got the loving gaze, nice look, you know, patchouli oil, little beads, maybe. All right, I'm ready. I'm ready for heaven. Very uncomfortable though. He's right there, right? because there's no time there. <laughs> so I open it. He opens the door. I say, "God, can I come in?" And he goes, "Paul can't come in." So I go, "Fuck you," you know. And I go back out using drugs, and I go crazy and fornicating and everything like that, which I'm probably a lot happier doing than the other stuff. And then I get caught in that stream of Maya, and then I get washed up on a shore right next to the door. And as I'm getting out, something happens, and I knock on the door. And of course, God opens it, and I go, God, can I come in? And he says, Paul can't come in, and I walk right in. I was thinking he was telling I couldn't come in. He was just stating a fact. Paul can't come in, Mary can't come in, Stella can't come in, Joe can't come in. Any identification as what you're not cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So the whole exile that I thought was being laid on me by God because I hadn't done enough or did this enough was all made up. The, in, the entrance was instantaneous with no requirements necessary other than the ones I had. That's what it's like. See, if, if what you're not is so close to what you are, which it is, the only way it can suspend that possibility is go on a journey (laughs) looking for itself. It's the best way to hide that is right underneath your nose. And even when you hear the word journey, what goes on a journey? A body does. Spirit does. Where's spirit going to journey to? If it's everywhere. You know what I mean? The spirit need, has to get a hotel next week. It's, it's everywhere. Or I, I reached the, the, the mountaintop. What reaches a mountaintop? A body. Yeah? <laughs> it casts the whole idea of spiritual in the frame of a body, the language. The body, in a sense, if you want health, then work towards purification of it. But what you are is pure as pure. It's never been sullied. It's giving us too much credit to believe that you could stop what always is. That you could suspend your sense of it or exile yourself from what always is. That's an incredible sense of arrogance in a lot of ways. Yeah? 
that we, or as the Course in Miracles would say, that this insane idea that produces this, and that we're separate from that power, yeah, could ever or possibly happen. So what's the solution? Not in the mix of the dilemma, but in a sense it is in the mix because you're the solution. But just not how you seem to be configured. Yeah. So I found... Like, I remember the first satsang I ever went to was a, a, a lady from Belgium and stuff. Used to be with Gangaji. She had a baby with Gang- uh, Papaji. When, and her name was Mira. Now, I don't want you to go fucking looking for her. I know it's... I just gave you another person that hope you get lost in. But she was speaking in Berkeley years and years ago, so I went to see her. And I was sitting there talking, listening to her, feeling the room... And then I shared, I said, man, I came in this room and I thought I was witnessing or seeing mental states arising and emotional states, physical states. But what I just realized by listening to you is that was a mental state was, that was claiming seeing the mental states, the emotional states, yeah? So this is what happens, in a way. This is safe realizations. Anything happens to you here, yeah? So this is where you're a collector of realizations, you're having realizations, you're having epiphanies, but they're all in a safe little neutral zone, no real threat. What happens though is this, is that the realizations start going like this, and then you're seen to be in front of the camera. Yeah? You're seen, this is seen by what you are. So like this, everything's cool here. Got my loving gaze down, got a lot of realizations. People listening to me very intently, taking me out to dinner and everything. Whoa, 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 whoa! Here <laughs> it goes, that went a little too far. The mental state stops. It can't yap. Yeah, and then you see it in all its glory, which is it's inherently empty. There is no thing. Yeah. Now you're on square zero, and you realize. Square zero, square three is a mental makeup. And it, the whole story of this game board is totally different when you see it from square zero or square three. And I'm just saying that most of us are starting at square three every day without knowing it. Yeah. The backdrop is what's seen. We are playing the backdrop. We're believing everything comes and hits me. Yeah? And then me gets it or doesn't get it. But the me is not. So once you, so let's say if you're on square three and you get to square 23 and let's say your mind cracks open. And what happens? What do you realize at square 23, square zero? Yes? Then maybe you get the 57. And what happens? Something occurs, you lose interest in all the pursuits and then something dawns on you. What dawns on you? Square zero. Then you seem to be at square 98. And you're thinking you're getting closer to the goal. And your head cracks open. And where do you find yourself? Square zero. Then it dawns on you. There's only square zero. All the other squares were an appearance in square zero. There is no game board, in a sense. (laughs) And then you can travel lightly here. Then, you know, if you take yourself to be the body, it's going to be an urban renewal project the rest of your life. You're going to constantly find faults and shit with yourself. Of course, you will never go over that with a 
plain tooth comb anyone else other than you because you seem to be special and you should know better, yeah, it's never going to end. You're going to constantly be constantly trying to make things better. But what happens if you realize you're not the body? All that money that's going into the construction and the future constructions stops. Your interest and attention, instead of being dispersed into yesterday and tomorrow, returns right where it's always been. And now it enriches your life instead of enslaving it. It enriches it. You're here. And this here is truly the immunity to what's not happening. When you see, when you're here, you very clearly, it's very distinct. The thoughts are usually, mostly, completely about what's not happening, and you and you realize it's not happening. It's just fucking that simple. It's not difficult to come to because there is something that's happening that you're engaged with through the five gates. That you're only engaged with with one gate, the mental gate. So then you're here because you cannot not be here. So there's no effort to get into the moment because there's a realization you can't be out of the moment. There's no effort to get out of self because you realize you can't be in self. It's impossible. Totally impossible. It's totally impossible that you and I are a thing. I mean, an inherent, independent thing. It's, It's totally impossible. You don't get there by the impossibility. You get there by realizing what you're not, like my friend was sharing today. So you realize what you're not, and then you also realize you're not that which you're not, whatever. It goes on and on. So the aperture keeps just on opening. Yeah? And as it's opening, the emphasis goes more on the space that's starting to blossom or to like expand than on all the things in it. And therefore you travel lighter. with absolutely no work. See it. When you're taking yourself, when we're taking ourselves to be a body brain, you confront it with a lot of volatile things to try to manage. Yeah? You've got a physical condition yeah? that's very volatile. You can be doing great and then you have one burp and then you have an appendectomy or something. You know, things can happen. One, you know, something doesn't come out the one hole for a day or two, something happens, yeah? Then you have the emotional states, which are very volatile. Then you have the mental states, which are extremely volatile. Then you have circumstantial and situational states that are volatile. And in the selfing, your sense of you are based on how they're going, really. The sense of being Rebecca or Paul or Jim is really based on how the mental state's doing, the physical state doing, the financial circumstance's doing, yes? And the mental state's doing. And so some people decide, well, if I go on a retreat, I'm going to be in a totally controlled environment and I can deal with those mental states and emotional states and physical states and I'm not getting any bill collectors calling, I don't phone. And they're sort of like, wow, I can get it all right where I'm just fucking feeling fine, yeah? Let's say it finally culminates at 9 o'clock Sunday morning. Oh, I just feel fine. Emotionally charged by the shares. Been eating gourmet meal, food every day. We're doing 
yoga and stretching and everything this, all day massages. You know, I have enough money out there. My girlfriend is at the retreat with me. Everything is, I got everything so secure. What happens? 901 shows up. 902 shows up. 903 shows up. These are volatile situations that are changing constantly. How can you expect to find a very clear reflection in a volatile mirror? There's no, there's no assurance in that kind of peace. It's all conditional. It's the type of peace that when you finally seem to have it, the mental state, because of its addiction to time, says, but will I be at peace tomorrow? There goes the peace. There's no way you can manage and control what's going on here. And most especially by saying, well, I'm gonna, I know there's one stable thing I can make, this reference of being Paul, and then I'll see everything from there. And it'll make sense. Yeah. I'm not volatile. I'm not emotional. I'm not. I'm something. I, no, you are. You're comprising all of those activities, and you're trying to call it a stabilized, singular, independent entity. It's impossible. You know how much effort it is to follow every fucking thought in one's head? Supposing they say you have 70,000 thoughts a day. Let's say you have 70,000 thoughts a day. And let's say they weigh an ounce each. And let's say you're aware of like 2,000. 2,000 thoughts. Okay? So each one weighs an ounce. So if you total it up, you travel through the day with maybe, what, 50 pounds or something like that. Yeah? Now, add the word my to the thought, then each one weighs a pound. Now you've got 2,000 pounds. You're going to be calling, you're going to be traveling heavier. Yeah? Not knowing that it's you that's producing the weight. Blaming it on others, on conditions, on situations, on circumstances. Totally in denial of your own power. Yeah? But still feeling the heaviness. And therefore, in that condition, you're apt to do almost anything. If you have tendencies to get high by drugs and alcohol, you probably will sooner or later. Because it gets fucking unbearable. What happens if the weight's extracted? What was un totally overwhelming becomes you can walk through it. Life as being so difficult and heavy suddenly seems to change, but life didn't change at all, because it's just life and you did, the mind did. Yeah? That's all there that's all that's going on. So I know for now, in my own experience here, I know the problem from the solution. I got relief. And it was all like reverse engineering. Most of the downloads that come through when I do a talk, it's just reverse engineering. I'm seeing the problem, seeming problem, from the solution. And, it, and from the solution's point of view, it's all made up. And it's, it has its little plan, it's got its schematic, and if you see one of their, its themes and you pull it, the whole house of cards falls down. You're afraid it's falling down on you, but you're not the resident of the house of cards. You don't need to pay rent to that thing. You didn't sign a long-term lease. That's not you. If you realize it's not you, you can be free from it, instead of trying to be free as it so much. You'll be free from it. You'll be freed from the need to be liberated. It'll be Disinterest will be the true vehicle of interest. 
it will be as if you don't give a shit. <laughs> Yet tons of juice. That's why I share it. I, I noticed when I was going to talks, people were addressing people Uh, like, let's say someone describes the eternal oneness. What's going to hear that? Yes, the mental state's going to claim, claim it. So it's going to negate. Affirmation is not the way, if there's any way. And negation is not the way, but negation works a whole lot better. You negate the presupposed reality, and then you may find something out, that you are the reality. That it's not take doesn't take any time nor any procedures to get to because you are that. Yeah? And the quality of the download of the solution will always have timelessness as one of its qualities. It will whack immediately. Spontaneously. Yeah. Then you know the tree by its roots. You get an intimation of what you are, because you're never going to be able to be something to see what you are. That would be an objectification of it, and once and it's not an object. So what the hell? What's how is that going to work? So find the fundamental little mistakes, like these great masters. They're just trying to save us time. Yeah. They say you can't use the mind to seek the mind can't use big M mind to seek the mind. You can't use the Buddha to seek the Buddha. You can't use the light to seek the light. Yeah. Or they say those cryptic statements, the open secret. Obviously, how could it be a secret if it's open? Or the gateless gate. How could it be a gate with no gate? Walk through the gateless gate. Basically, where? <laughs> yeah? There's no gate. Exactly. That's what they're attempting to imply, the immediacy of what's so. Because the mental state wants always to delay it, always to thrust it into its own systematic system, which is time. Yeah? So it's going to believe, you've got to invest a lot of time to finally arrive at timelessness. How has it worked? My friend invested a lot of time to try to get to timelessness. Yeah. How's it worked? If it hasn't worked now, when? <laughs> In time? Of course not. So this is just what came over me over the years. It's just to, just to be really a warning, like a warning sign. And just to point out some of the ways the selfing will neuter you ever receiving the message. Yeah. You'll feel like you got it. You feel like you have it. And yet, it'll become like a, like a death march, like the baton death march. You now years and years of going and waiting to get it again. The worst is when you think you had it and you lost it. You know, a lot of people have that one. I was awake, and some, I must have done something. Now I'm not awake. <laughs> this is the dilemma with achieving. If you believe you achieve something, you also believe you can lose it. Yeah? Then you have to be vigilant all the time. That's not peace. Like, you ever hear of Dok Chen, you know, Tibetan Buddhism, the great perfection? They would say it's like relaxed awareness. Yeah? 
it's just relaxed awareness. It's not concentrated and focused. It's just totally like an open aperture. Yeah. You're walking around incessantly on. So what? You're open. Not just you now see the horizontal downloading, but you're getting more like a vertical well. You're you're you have another source of water that's downloading. Yeah? That totally goes insects goes right through the horizontal. Yeah? The horizontal is like the story of us all day that we share with others all day. Extending ourselves into time. Yeah? That's all the horizontal. But the vertical inserts every horizontal moment. The vertical is timeless. Every freaking horizontal moment that we say, I'm using this moment to get to that mythical moment, what, we, what we're representing by that mythical moment is insecting right there and intersecting right there. Boom, 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 boom. Every moment in time has a quality of timelessness, obviously. Or there would be no moment in time. Open up. Your mind is like a roaring. It can open up. It doesn't have to stay with the spiritual alphabet. A equals B will lead to C, then finally D. It can go wherever. <laughs> it doesn't have to play by any rules. Yeah. Throw that in. Throw that in with your... That subtle assumption that goes unnoticed that, but speaks very loudly is that subtle, subtle assumption that there's a you that's going to be on the couch. You know? That there's a you that's reading the course. That there's a you that should be reading the course more. That there's a you that once got something out of the course and there's a you that's hoping to get it again out of the course. Yeah? All of those movements are all in all going around the one reference of being you. Yeah? They're all what they're basically being used for is to be like a full length mirror so you can see your imaginary someone. Yeah. You just you're in the hall of mirrors of spirituality. So the Course in Miracles, this is other people, they just, they're at a mall. You ever see people in malls? They look at every reflective surface, walking by every store, they get a reflection of themselves. Yeah, as a body. Yeah, you see it. A lot of you think they're talking at you, they're not. They're looking, I say, I try to get in the way. My girlfriend does it a lot. You're talking and then you notice she's looking at her own reflection. <laughs> it's just like, she's not doing it, but it's a habit, yeah. The selfing, all of that's all it's doing. It's using all of these things, all these seemingly conflictions. If I do this, that will happen. If I don't do that, that will happen. If they're just playing the role of being a mirror so we can see its imaginary self. It's all, in a way, deep down, obsessing with self. All the, all and all the meaning that we give of I've gotten really close to the truth and suddenly I did something and I'm farther away. The, it's all drenched in selfing. Yeah? It's all drenched in it. It's like you see the movies. You ever see a movie where uh, uh, 
Nicholas Cage is like an angel, and he decides he wants to give up his wings to marry Meg Ryan. I mean, who, what fucking celestial being would ever choose to come here? Oh yeah, I'm going to give up internal bliss to fucking have a you know a little swing with Meg Ryan. But what about four years later? Then you're going through the divorce with Meg Ryan. It's not going to be too good. Oh yeah, what fucking celestial you know being would ever decide? Oh yes. <laughs> the arrogance is unbelievable. Or then when someone's dying in the movie and then someone's standing up and going, you can't do this to me. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm passing away here. You can't. We had a date next week. You, know I mean? you don't see how drenched we're in? The reference? Drenched. We're so drenched, we point out when people are selfish. In a fucking sea of selfishness. We're not drenched, thank God. But the drenching is unbelievable. All we can see is, well, I'm less selfish than someone, but in a giant field of selfishness. Because all the, all the thoughts are about us. And that's what we're mostly listening to. All right, we'll start with questions, yes. But isn't that how we learn to care of ourselves? Like, thoughts about um, my goals and my what I want to accomplish and, and this sort of what, isn't I mean, what, what I need to eat, you know, kind of... That's the body taking care of its business, yeah. But why does it need to be used to imply you? Exactly, and maybe apply it to the identity that you've been playing for a while. Yeah, and my identity I've developed because it has theoretically served me, because in the world, you know, a random new creature, and then in the world, something will hurt me, or something will teach me something positively, or something, and then I say, oh, well, when I do this, I get this outcome. But that's the brain learning. That's the brain learning. Yeah. But it's not you. You know what I mean? The apparatus has an agenda. The apparatus is trying to make its way. And the apparatus talks as if it's us yeah. in the brain. Well, it's, it's really convincing. Well, it's really convincing. Yeah. But it's also, it feels really important to how it feels. Um, because um, it feels really important. Because it's you. Huh? It feels really important because it's you. Doesn't it? We're not going to deny or restructure any of that. Just maybe ask who it is. 
Yeah. And just don't. And it, when the mental state rushes with an answer like it's me, yeah, just maybe ask that who it is. Yeah, just a question. Throw a wrench in the works and see how the machinery works better. Yeah, why not? So not going to harm you. We're not saying change anything, which is beautiful. You know that planning and all like that. That's what goes on here. But the mental state is using that activity to imply the actor. Yeah. Yes. And then in the sense of being what you are, relegated to being an actor, there's something that's that's always available that will seem not to be available to you, and it may produce a pang in you, like a lot of other people, that they start asking themselves, something must be going on. Yeah. Not everyone, not every apparatus body goes through that. But if it does go through that in where you seem to be, it's probably a wise idea to answer it, because it's a very good invitation in a way. So maybe a part of, of the, the completely taking yourself to be what you're not can be, let's say, lightened by realizing you're not that. Yeah? And maybe to me, when I heard it and it started to dawn on me, it was like an unspoken yes. It was just a very powerful... <sighs> Like better than fifty Thai massages, you know. Yeah. A finally a, a relaxation that wasn't promoted or produced by anything. It was just a relaxation came over me, and that unspoken yes has just been echoing ever since. Now I meet a lot of people who have no interest in this, and so they should do put their interest where they're interested in. Yeah, but. What I do notice, if you put a lot of interest in the story, you may end up coming to something like this sooner or later. <laughs> because it may not, quote-unquote, work for you. Yeah. Yeah. But this is, this is never, for me, has never been seen as a draft or as a consignment or as a, you know, I command thee to wake up. No, it's just an invitation. And it's that is where you are. But wherever you are, like for me... It's not a path to illumination. It's not a path to illumination. But it will illuminate whatever path you're on. So if you are on the path of being an actress, this will illuminate it. Because you are the light that's being brought to this place. You are the light. Yeah? So this to me, like for me, I'm in the community of recovery. Now, a lot of people thought, why didn't you just leave AA? Well, you can leave AA by staying in AA. Yeah. You can leave AA, in a sense, but by staying in AA, and then just be used for whatever purpose you're going to be used for. That's how it's worked for me. Yeah. So, I don't leave AA because of whatever, non-duality. I just live AA from another view, let's say, which to me illuminates the AA program unbelievably. Yeah? Unbelievably. Because you are the light. You are the clarity. Have you ever heard people describe depression in such a clear fucking manner? And you would think depression would be all cloudy and very confusing. But they describe the cloudiness and confusion impeccably. Because the clarity of mind is always available. Always available at all times. Now you can, the clarity may be on thoughts, which will be driving you fucking crazy. You know what I mean? There'll be so much clarity, like you would just love to dim down the light on the thought system, but you're aware, and it's driving you fucking crazy, yes? But what happens is, 
it's if the clarity instead of being on all the things about you as a thing starts resting in itself that's a very very bright brightening living yeah incredibly bright and open and wide yeah that same thing went on things was driving you as a thing fucking crazy I stayed up 10 days a lot shooting coke yeah my fucking idea of doing drugs was it was a spiritual path like when people came to my house and my girlfriend would, and I was shooting coke my girlfriend would tell them this is Paul's religion man this is what he does I believe in an insane way that if I could twist tighten my mind so to a such a point of tautness it would snap and I would wake up and transcend this place now I'm here to say I wasn't successful because you can't transcend an imaginary place but I gave it a damn good fucking effort and, and a lot of it detailed staying up for 10 fucking days entering delirium so going into a lot of different mental states I never, most normal people ever get to and then abiding in that delirium until it broke into a certain fucking weird state of of, of something, yeah, totally, that clarity of mind was always available at all times, now that clarity not on things is incredibly expansive, when it was on things, it was like, it was like putting a magnifying glass on a bug with the sun, that's how powerful the mind is, that's why people are fucking going crazy, the power of minds turned on to this object of being Paul and it's way too much for the fucking bug. You know what I mean? <laughs> Going over every little feeling and thought and decision and intention and uh, I you know, what was behind my be all this fucking shit. It's just you're just burning your fucking self up, man. You really are. But the clarity, resting in clarity, it's like super nova space. Yeah? Clarity resting on thoughts is fucking a producer of exquisite suffering. Seriously. Exquisite suffering. And a lot of people are masters of exquisite suffering now. Because they can't turn it off. Yeah? They take themselves to be the thinker of the thoughts, the thoughts own them now. They take themselves to be the feeler of the feelings, and the feelings own them now. They take themselves to be the doer of the actions, and the actions own them now. You want relief, but you don't want to break the contract. You want to be there to get the relief. That's not available. You want to experience your own absence. That's not available. There's a clear seeing, like we said today. First, there's a seeing of what you're not, and then there's also a seeing that you're also not what you're not. And then, it's just like this Brahman Maharshi had a great parable where a guy has a thorn in his foot, he stops, takes the sandal off, he looks around the area, and he finds another thorn. And so he takes the one thorn, which is like the idea of self is the thorn in the foot. I'm going to explain it very kindergarten initially, and he takes now the thought of non-self to take the one out, yeah? So you take the, you take the one thorn used to, and you take the other one out, and then you throw both of them away. A lot of people, what's happening is, on a certain conceptual level, they get introduced to non-self, but they're trying to be a self as a non-self. Yeah? So they think, 
If I don't say I and I don't use any personal pronouns, that will be more... <laughs> I'll be getting closer. It's insanity. I have a detached non-self. It's insanity. A self masquerading as a non-self is a very dangerous self. <laughs> it's incredibly dangerous. So this whole idea is you throw both of them away. And then what's left? Find out. Find out. Like in Zen, they say one of the highest forms of mind is I don't know. So you stay in the I don't know. So what happens? You're relegated into finding out. If you don't know, what's going to happen is you're going to find out. Tons of stuff if you don't know. If you know, then you're not going to find out much. You're just going to find shit that supports what you think is right or what you think is wrong. But if I don't know there, you're going to find out. It's revelatory. When peace is starting to move through you, it doesn't look at all as what you thought it was going to look like. And you're constantly shown, your thought system is constantly shown to be totally bogus. It can't represent what's actually going on anywhere near the way it's going on. Peace may never be recognized by anyone else. Clarity may never be noticed by anyone else. You may be quietly not here, or you may be flamboyantly not here, but the basic sense is the head can't mine anything out of it. It's like that tortoise. The coyote's going to give up trying to eat it in a few minutes. It can't get through the shell. Nothing is totally protected by its nothingness. Because the eye of mind here is like Sauron. It's always looking for its precious constantly. Yeah, It, it goes over this truth every second of the day. It's not noticing it. Every second of the day, you're busily looking for the truth, not noticing the truth that you are. This brings you always, not even back, there's nowhere, there is no back, but in a sense, it brings you right back to square zero. There's no other game behind. All there is is seeing, and there's nothing behind that seeing it. I think it's incredibly... For me, how it's, how it's just translating, making this place somewhat bearable. <laughs> I couldn't. That's why I shot coke in my neck. I couldn't take this place because the place I thought I was in, which was totally mental, was fucking unbearable. I wanted to get high. And I did. I ne- never said no to an urge. What was unbearable about it? Me. Yeah. Yes. Me as seen as everything else. Haven't you ever felt just very awkward and uncomfortable in your own skin? No. No, you haven't? (laughs) And that becomes chronic? It's sort of like a toothache that never goes away. It's going to produce tons of seeking to get relief. And if the seeking is ignorant or based on ignoring something else, then all it does is promote more suffering. And then you can't seem to get out of the cycle once you enter the cycle. It's like stepping on fly paper. Once you step on fly paper, if you reach down to push off, now you're caught there. Then you try to put the now you're caught there. Yeah. Or like the Chinese thumb things. Once you move, they lock. The best way to get out is realize you're not in. 
only way that works. The best way to get out of anything is realize you're not in it. That you've never been in it. That you've never been the thing that moved away, nor are you the thing that moved closer. There's just moving away and moving closer. There's no one behind it all. It brings a relief. Can you entertain how questions? How? How how questions. So let's say that absolutely get it. Don't even have any resistance to it concept. And so I'm I'm in the future, obviously not here. I'm in the future. But you're not. Okay. You see? See how the language Yes. It's, it's even hard to try to argue. Yes, it implies yes. that it's you that's in the future. Yes, yes. It's in the future. So You're my not. body is going to be in the future conducting a class, and I get this realization, I have this experience, and I'm trying to imagine how I, how not I, how my yeah, body yeah, thought yeah. process that's going through this experience can represent this fast enough to be present with people and not aggravated. Give up that. Just recognize what yeah, was presented, it's in already, and it will do what it does. Okay. Yeah. You'll have the eyes to see. It, he wasn't saying get new eyes. He says you'll have the eyes to see that you weren't seeing before. It's the same saying. Yeah. Have faith in mind. Yeah, I have faith in mind. I believe everyone just needs an invitation. If they're drawn to it and the mind gets interested in this, it's going to produce goods. If they're not, they'll have some fun, whatever. Who knows? But. So, what's the point of humans even having the ability to. Let's not go into all of that. Let's not go there. Because that's presupposing there's humans and everything. It just gets very crazy. Just let this in and then also notice that the thought system is going over it with its little tentacles and its antennas trying to fucking figure it out and just realize maybe you're not that so why take pledge allegiance to what you're not yeah so as I'm sitting here this is real familiar to me it's just really like, it feels like a powerful self kind of cycle of like getting excited and thinking that I'm getting this and this is going to make things better for me in the future and then you, know, you say something and I don't get it and I feel like fear and despair that I'll never yeah. get this and you be fucked and it goes around and around it's real powerful it's real powerful so you were saying just like ask that thought no just notice that the scene was the same in both of those extremes what's seeing it didn't go with the extreme. That's how you know there. You can see the contrast because you can only see contrast for what's solidly so. Yeah. So it's the seeing. The seeing. The seeing was there for both. Yeah. The seeing is always always precedes all of this movement. Yeah. The mental state wants you to. Use it wants to use that moment to imply that it's the one that's seeing. But see, that takes time, so the appearance of selfing is down the line from the scene, but it implies that it is where the seeing is. That's its little move. You see it? 
So the mental state arises after the conscious contact, but when it arises and presents everything as you, that you is implied to be before the conscious contact, or at the point of conscious contact, which it never is, because the self is produced. A process takes time. Yeah? So life is happening, and then there's an interpretation of it. The interpretation implies that I'm the one that life's happening too. So the product of the mental conveyor, when it drops off the conveyor belt, says it was prior to the start of the conveyor belt. That's the selfie. So you, and then when it arises, you'll feel like, oh, that's, you'll feel this historical feeling. That's made up. It's all made up. It's sort of like, here's this bait this activity going on, and here's mine, and then this, the mental state rises to the bait. When it grabs the bait, it becomes a fish. And then not only a fish, it becomes a historical fish. It says, I've grabbed this bait many times before, and I will be grabbing this bait. You see? It's all coming out of nothing. Arising, seeming to appear to be something, eroding, collapsing, but the nothingness doesn't get shifted or changed. And where that? We're seeing all of this. We want to play a role that we're the scene, but we're seeing all of this. Yeah. So, it's like being moved, and there's no moving, but just as a picture, you realize you start seeing from square zero, and part of what you see is square three. You see the birth and the death of selfing coming up all day. You see its move, how it arises, tries to match what's going on, claim it, and then and infer that it was there before anything was going on. So he gets a historical relevance, and that's why it's in time. It's not so, but in time it can appear to be so. That's why the thought system is so occupied about yesterday and tomorrow, because you appear as a body in time. That's what's difficult. With that being its agenda, to try to get it to really be in the moment is insane, because it sees no value in the moment other than to entertain other moments mythical mental moments. So you're trying to, it's like trying to take herd a cat, you know? And it's pointless, but the only reason why we keep trying because we believe it's us. And we believe if that doesn't get tamed, then we're never, never going to get it. Just lose interest in that. And you'll realize you don't have to get anything. It's the interest in it that causes it to be, I'm going to have, this is going to have to get so much better for me to get it. No! It has nothing to do with it. Just see it. And if you don't, if you come to these talks or you listen to the talks, if you start to only see a little bit of it, if you entertain these thoughts, these talks, I guarantee it'll, your aperture will open up more and more and more will be revealed. And what it will be revealed to? The scene. Not the scene. Your head will claim it and think it's getting something, but you'll see that. And you... This will never be behind the camera. It's like there's an old Monty Python skit that we use, and we change a little bit, where they're in a, like a London garden, but they come out with safari caps and with the khakis, and they're in this thing that they run out of food and water, and they're dying, yeah? And then one of them realizes, but we're being filmed. 
and then suddenly the film crew, they, you know, the aperture opens up a little more, there's the film crew, and they have water and sandwiches, and they go, oh, we've been saved, and they're all drinking, and then they go, but we're being filmed, and then there's another film crew, yeah, and so on and on and on and on and on and on it goes. Yeah. The scene is never going to be the scene. Never. Ever. As the scene. Never. It is the scene, but not as the scene. If you just take out the middle man and woman, middle woman, which isn't there to begin with, then things make sense. It's this, this trinity that we're involved in, which is all made up. So that that one that the thoughts are referring to that oh maybe is maybe getting it or is never going to get it that is not even there. No, there's just no, thoughts. It's not referring back to anything real. No. It's not, as first of all, any time you remember something, all you're remembering is another memory. You never remember the event because it never fucking happened, to tell you the truth. You, you remember a memory. Every time we go back into the past and we're thinking we're remembering an event, it's a memory of an event. Yeah. So the fact that I perceive myself now as much more awake and when I started this all back in like 1980 no there's been progress for the body brain but you're not more awake I'm not more awake no there's a weakness you become you're, what can happen here is becoming awake to the awakeness basically because here we can be unawake to it so really Awakeness or awareness or the truth only has valuable where it can seem not to be so. There's no, in awareness, there's no value to being aware. That's all it is, yeah? It's here where it seems not to be so that it has value, yeah? In this dream, it, this message has value. In the solution, it has no value. In this dream, because we're, we're entertaining a dualistic dream. So we're entertaining two sides of a coin. No matter how many times you cut the coin, there's still going to be two sides. Yeah? It's dualism, duality. So, yes, the, our experience here is we're more awake because we were less awake. All there is is awakeness, but in the experiential level, it seems like we can be more awake, but also we can be less awake, which most people tend to get into. They're less awake. And then they beat the shit out of themselves and be awake, less awake because they should be more awake. <laughs> it's the same awakeness. Yes. How could it not be? What so doesn't isn't conditional. It doesn't swerve and get bigger and smaller. It's not a quantity. It's not a thing. It's not, some, it's not like a tire you can pump up, and then if you ride it a lot, it loses air. It's not, it doesn't have anything like that. It's just that. Yeah. And it's witnessing, one, if you want to say it, whatever is arising because of its nature gets noticed. Yeah. So all that we're noticing, and then we're allowing the mental state to peg it to this fictional character, are movements of mental state, emotional states, physical states, which defined by the waves of dualism, the ocean of dualism goes this way and that way. And we're playing a little role of a little bobbing ball going, oh, I did this, and oh, I feel this. And we're sort of like there's a ride at Disney World, in Disneyland, where you go on this little water 
thing and you go with this crocodiles and hippotamus and you should realize something's up when you get on the boat they have like 10 steering wheels so everyone gets on it and you think you're the captain of the boat so and you go into hippo land and you escape and you go I'm a great fucking captain oh the crocodile whoa this and everyone is believing they're doing it all but there's a big rod and it's controlled by its you know, someone in a booth, you know, it's a computer-generated ride, but our head believes we're, oh, I made the turn, and look at that, I made the race. It's all made up. It doesn't mean it ends. It doesn't do a damn thing. You're going to be more of an individual when you realize you're not one than ever. You'll be the fucking greatest actor when you realize that's all there is is acting going on. You th- all the stuff you think you're going to lose, you never had anything to begin with. And then when it's given back, in a way, then it's... <sighs> we, we just tend to pledge allegiance to a mental state when we're more of the sense of beingness. Yeah? And a little bit of being goes a long way here. And you're, you're the aperture that's going to... You're the interface. Yeah? You're in the interface of the dream and the dreaming. We are that, you know. It's nice to bring a little, allow a little of that in. It'll lighten your load and then people around you. Without any effort to do that, you'll be used to lighten other people's loads. Yeah. I believe people have the right to hear messages. Yeah. It's up to you to decide what you feel is valuable or not, but I think everyone has the right to hear it. If I hadn't heard from outside, who knows what uh, would have happened. I was busily meditating, going retreats, and I was a diligent practitioner of a lot of Buddhism. I did for years. Yeah. And there was no idea that that sense of reference was overriding everything. And I had no idea. I couldn't get a clear handle on it. Then someone shared a satsang like this, and that unspoken yes erupted, and then everything seemed to change. Yeah? And I was very grateful that that was a possibility that was brought to me. I wasn't coming on my own, in a sense. It had to come through another quote-unquote person. So that's the same feeling I have with this. Yeah? Yeah? With the unspoken yes that you just spoke of, it just happened. It wasn't by anything that you did or didn't do. So as I sit here in this moment, I see you and Eckhart Tolle and others like him as you guys were lucky in that you had that happen. I feel a little unlucky because with all these years of work, I haven't had. It feels like the work, the work, the work, the work. Then you still got to be lucky enough to have that. I'm going to bring you back right to the same place. Who is that? See, there's still a reference that's, that's giving everything else that stems from it relevance. We don't want to go into making something that you said or felt irrelevant because it isn't. We want to point out the irrelevance of the starting point. Yeah. So, 
that there's a you that the assumption that something happened to you or anybody. Well, all that, but also how the mental state is using it to to exile you from a possibility because you believe it hasn't happened to you. If I buy into that something happened to you, of course, buy into the fact that it hasn't yet happened. Exactly, that what opens up the whole possibility, and all of this is just mental shenanigans. I'm not buying into it. It's what you said happened. No, I heard an unspoken yes. It wasn't really a happening. It was. It was actually prior to knowing anything. Yeah, something just went by it and rubbed it, and then the genie went out, and there I was. And then I just knew prior to knowing, and that hasn't changed over the years. But this idea of happening, this is dog shit awareness. I think a lot of people unintentionally do a disservice because they present an event that occurred as if something happened to them, when in fact what's happening is always happening yeah so their event let's say I've seen people go crazy somebody says I was walking through Walmart you know on Thursday October 12th and I was looking for a a toaster and then I was in aisle 7 and then a toaster fell off the shelf hit me in the head and I woke up people will actually go to Walmart try to go into the same aisle and try to try to trigger the same event because they think it's something that's produced. It's not produced. Through language, we, we have to say, oh, something happened. But what happened was what's always happening. Yeah? So nothing... If you ask any one of those people, if they're honest, and they have people doing shit, or saying you've got to do this and that, they have to say it's not true. Because that they had nothing to do with anything. And it's not an event. Well, maybe what's messing me up is like people like you know Eckhart Tolle. His story is he was just so depressed he was lying on the floor. No, what's messing you up is your head. It's how you're holding it. It's not Eckhart Tolle. <laughs> your head's just using Eckhart Tolle. Yeah, you see, it's just your, your the configuration of your head. There's been there's too much investment there. When if you lose interest and attention in that, that you'll you'll you will it will be allowed to do whatever it's doing. But its 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 uh, sphere of influence will incredibly shrink. Yeah. So it's sort of like the guy or the woman that wanted to, wants to run the corporation is in the mailroom. He's calling up the CEO every day, but you're not taking any of the messages. You know what I mean? It's acting as if it's still at the committee table, but it ain't because you've lost interest in it. Not trying to change it. Trying to change that is insanity. Yeah. That's part of the insanity of it. Just see it. Yeah. The, everything you said, there was something sitting there that's prior to all that. What's being what was being said was trying to describe or point out something that appears in the scene, not what's seen. Yeah. Just remember that. Remember that everything that that what I am precedes thought. What I am precedes everything. I'm not a thing. I'm not an object. I can't be experienced but I'm what's infusing every experience. Yes? Just have a sense of not that, not that, like the famous neti neti, you know? It's negation. Not that, not that, not that, not that, not that, not that. Oh, there. Yeah? Instead of trying to leave a false premise through affirmation, just question the false premise. If you're not that, all bets are off. Yeah? My head sings the same lullabies. I've just lost interest in them. 
you know, it's going to be insane. Can you imagine if you've been listening to your head your whole life, and you got the last moment, and it's going to give you the real clinker. The last second, just before you pass away as a body, it says, you really blew it. Paul, you really blew it. <laughs> what, a, what, what a bad note to end on. You know what I mean? I'd rather lose interest in that thought system now while I'm seemingly alive so it doesn't have much sway when I'm passing out of this little event. Yeah? So when you say you really blew it, <laughs> then, then you go to, but who is it that... Well, you would have died, though, right yeah. then. So yeah. you wouldn't even be able to go to who is it. You would have left on that bad note. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just playing with it because some people live their whole life for the moment of death. And if they're, if they're identified as, a, as an end of a process, the dying is going to beat the process. Like, you're never going to experience your own death. Other people will, but you're not. Yeah. Your voice is going to... That voice box is going to end with the body, it's not going to go, oh, I just want to point out to you, Paul, you died. No, there will be no pointing out that you're dead. I've died a few times, man. I went out, and I mean, I, I was out a while, and I'll tell you, there's, it's like water and oil. There's no, no mixing. Yeah? The selfing is only in the dream world. It's not anywhere else. It only appears in the mental state through the reinforcement of the mental state. It has no no relevance anywhere. I remember when they brought me back, I was dead, basically. I overdosed on heroin and stuff. I was sitting, laying in a bed, feeling really good, because you usually do on heroin. And I was looking at the corner, just like that, in that room. And suddenly the whole space went... <laughs> sucked back into the camera and it was, that was it then time passed obviously in the dream it didn't pass but when the dream when you show back up then time seems to have passed yeah. so suddenly I was like suddenly I wake up and I hear all these people yelling excitedly and then I see I'm the object that you're yelling excitedly about. And they were shooting up with a drug that takes away the effects of heroin, not him. So, and I was sitting on my ass, and that, I, was, I came out, came back. And the police were there. It was like the same fucking movie. I, I, I could have been jettisoned into a new movie. It was the same movie. And late, leading to a hospital melodrama. I just so much, I was so fucking pissed that I was back. In a sense, seemingly, you know. And then the whole movie started again, and there went Paul and stuff like that. Where was he for 20, 25 minutes? It wasn't, and he was never there. It's not, we're giving it too much credit to say it disappeared. It's never appeared. It just seems to appear to us. Where the reality? Where the reality? Like we have an acronym in recovery called false evidence appearing real for fear. Yeah? So false evidence appearing real. How could false evidence appear real unless it appears real to something? So how is it going to get reality or seeming realness from falseness? It can't. But if false evidence appears real to what's real, it will seem to be real. Isn't that what's going on? false evidence is appearing real to what is real 
and then through that we're lending reality to things through identification as a thing and that's the whole statement in the course you and I are the dreaming of the dream we forgot that we're dreaming and in that state we give everything we're dreaming the power to affect us as the dreamt and it seems as real as real can be why? because it's the reality we're the reality There's no reality thing. We're the living. We are reality. Yes. Um, so, if it's in itself and possibly it's a part of his association, I'm just wondering where his motivation came from. If, if you no longer are invested in the dream. Body, brain. Well, but if you're, if you're just like, oh, I'm free from being invested in the dream. What's free from the body and the brain is not the body and the brain. The body and the brain has its own little uh, vehicle. It has its talking box, it has its agenda, it has its proclivities, it has its likes and dislikes. They have nothing to do with what we are. We mix the two up and we think that's what we are. We're not that. It's like we're taking, we're, we're taking on the qualities of a Toyota, the car that we're driving. We're taking on the qualities of the Toyota to be our qualities. Yes? So we think that if I change, then the car will change. That's a mistake. You see? You see? You're, you're talking as if the qualities of the brain and the body are you. That you have them. Um, well, okay. So I know... Okay. Um, I know a lot of people who are... And are not going to know that I've witnessed that it seems as though This has nothing to do with the message. Those are the, those are uh, those are conceptual ideas about a message. Yeah. I like what you're saying. It is a liberating concept. It is a liberating experience in my heart. You don't see the mental state will try to mimic what it thinks the message would look like. Yeah, this is what it does with anything it comes in contact with. It has. It's sort of like you ever hear the cloud. You know, cloud. Cloud, it, there's no cloud where information is stored, you know, they call it, it's just black space, isn't it? Data. And then if you are plugged into it, all you do is hit a key and you can download from the cloud. Well, in a sense, the mental state's like that. The mental state is chock full of possibilities, old ideas, beliefs, concepts, stuff like that, yes? And the key that triggers its download is Paul. So when you hit the key, Paul, the act of identification, download information downloads and gets to be transferred to thoughts through the mind, or feelings through the mind, or situations in life through the mind. So I, when I was younger, I grew up a Catholic. I had never been introduced to spirituality in this life. And I met a guru when I was 18 years old. Yeah? India. That whole world. What happened? 
suddenly I had tons of ideas about gurus, tons of ideas about what I should or shouldn't be like with a guru, tons of ideas that there was no way I gathered in this life because I had never been introduced to it. It was just waiting for the access point, which was mine. It was Paul that was in relation to the guru. And what happened with me is the guru was presented as the Lord of the universe, which meant a whole lot in my head, that cloud information. The Lord of the universe was a big enchilada, and I didn't like the Lord of the universe. Now, what the fuck would that make me? A whole lot of shit for five years. A whole lot of turmoil and mental suffering, because... All right, there's the Lord of the Universe. I don't like the Lord of the Universe. Fuck, then what the fuck am I? I'm like, you know what I mean? Came out of the blue. Had no contact. Just downloaded. Downloaded, downloaded, downloaded. And every bit, I'm being identified with it, having it or being it. And there's the suffering of the bondage of self. Yeah? If you don't hit the key, different information downloads. Or let's say a lot less information downloads. Yes? So you have, you're apt to meet someone and actually be open to meet them. You don't have tons of fucking ideas about them right away, yes? Or you don't have tons of... Remember when you were a kid, you'd run into a room, there'd be no thought. How, how, when's the last time you walked into a place without thought going along with you? Yeah. This is what happens. This is what happens in the bondage of self. Our whole life becomes a mental interpretation on a large level. We have physical, emotional, mental, but most people who are working out on their body, they're trying to correct the mental image of the body, basically. Yeah? They have a mental image of what they think the body should look like, and that's what they're trying to measure up to. It all gets interpreted from the mental state. How do you like it? Has it been that rewarding to be special and right here? Has it been that rewarding that everything's all about you all fucking day? That every relationship you were in, you were the one constant in them all? So when the 12 fairy princesses, none of them worked out, when I looked at the relationships, I was the only constant in all of them. (laughs) Never wanting to see our role. Always excusing and rationalizing and blaming others. just Just to cover the tracks of the failed system. Because how can you entertain being free from it if you're identified as it? Then you're motivated to get therapy for it. You'll do almost anything so that you can have a like a three-month relationship that doesn't flip out or not flip out at July 4th picnic. Our idea of success gets so meager living under this tyranny of selfing, doesn't it? Jesus Christ, when have you really enjoyed what you wanted when you wanted it? work super hard three years to get to a place. Let's say you're working every week of the whole year in Connecticut and you're thinking about Hawaii. You finally take the vacation to Hawaii and you're thinking about work. When does it all line up? And when does it translate into okayness? When? When has it ever stabilized? When has all this juggling of trying to get the four blocks on thing and don't, no sound, no, don't come in, don't, don't make any, try to control all the volatiles, it's still going to fucking fall. A wind, someone's going to open a window and it's going to blow them down. That's not, that's not, 
relaxed. That's not freedom. That's fucking slavery. To be driven, herded, constantly cold and prodded by the thought system, that could only happen if, if, if you take yourself to be the thinker. If you saw yourself as other, you'd realize the failedness of the whole system and you wouldn't be relying on it. Something else would be the navigational system in your life. You'll be taking cues from something other than the thought system and then judge it. You give it some time and you'll see, Jesus Christ, this is a much more workable solution than the fucking all the solutions the mental state was offering me. This solution is worth the term because it's it stabilizes. You know, you don't have to huff and puff every week to keep it going. The air never is let out of the tire. And it's all terrain. It's right where you are at all times with no requirement necessary to fucking meet it. You cut out that whole effort. You are it. You don't know how valuable timelessness is in a place of time. It's extremely valuable because time is sort of like everything is being put off. Have you ever hiked with people and you watch them? They're like three steps ahead of their feet thinking about the next hike or the lunch. No one's very... If you saw an energetic picture of a body, the energy is ahead. The, the, the wave of time is pushing us mercilessly in almost like a slavery. We're using this moment only to get to a better moment. You're sitting here thinking I'll be greater later on when I have my Agendas and I have a movie in the DVD. Always, 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 always. It's like you're constantly being prodded to keep on going. They have these department stores, Lowe's department store. It, its motto is never stop improving. What a fucking insane thing. Never stop improving? To me, it's fucking slavery. You like it? Great. Go ahead. Live it. You know, I'm here just to offer a possibility. If you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, maybe you'll be open to this possibility. Yeah? Some people in the course say you use the course for a year, and that's it. You do it one year, put it down, and then freedom. It's freedom from everything. The course itself. Freedom is, is it. That's the value. In non-freedom, skillful means become the most important thing. But in freedom, the means aren't needed anymore. So, there you have it. It's just an invitation, you know, simple invitation. It can be repeated quite a lot because you're going to get it. Because you are it you'll start seeing that you don't start where the mental state says you start. That you're the seeing of it all. You're not what is being... You're not the false flag operation that's doing, putting you into it. This is where you begin. You begin way beyond there. All it needs is not even a correction. It's realizing there was no incorrection. It could never fucking happen. Nothing sullies the sky. Nothing that appears in it darkens the sky. Nothing. Nothing gets the sky wet. No bird shit lands on the sky. No plane runs into sky when it's up there. That's what mind is like. 
no heinous act that you believe you did or that anyone else did ever left the lasting impression on it. The freedom is prior to everything, not after everything. It's prior to it. Believing you're fucked leads you to want to be unfucked. What happens if you've never been fucked? Then you don't have to try to be unfucked. So you leave the both, yeah? Then you can go to a fucking Japanese sauna or whatever. Then you can have a coffee. Then, and you know what? Nothing's made out of it. <laughs> nothing's fucking made out of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> it could just, you know, I mean, nothing's made out of anything. You just let things be as they are, and they reveal themselves not to be so. When you're trying to make them not so, they're more so than ever. Just let them be as they are. See what happens. See if you end up really on the couch. I'm probably pretty sure you won't. Yeah. See if you gave up and went against the dictates of your head that all the whole fucking thing would come crashing down. No, it won't. You're more okay than you can ever imagine, truly. And definitely way more okay than with what you can think of. Most definitely. My whole life since sobriety has been just sticking my foot out, having faith, and then the stare appears every time. Rely on what's reliable, which is mind, big M mind. When you rely on what's not reliable, you're going to have anxiety and fear. You are the reliability you wish someone else could be in your life, or something else could be in your life. I'm having a blast with it. It's great to share it, yeah, because if you can see what you're not, it's it will it's. To me, after all the years, this is the way, there is no way, but if you want to call it negation, I would give it to most students. Negation is a certain way to get to where you are. Yeah, affirmation doesn't work, because what's going to be affirmed is going to be received by what you're not. Negation always leads to that, and then it reveals that you're not that. Yeah. And then a huge affirmation occurs, like the unspoken yes, yeah, which is a huge affirmation. That's why I always got confused with Ms. Arkadada's saying, I am that, I am that, I am that. And I feel more aligned with uncovering everything that I'm not. Yeah. So the idea of I am that, I am that, and that is always kind of tweaks my brain a little bit. Well, to me, the I am not that is the only mirror that will reflect what you are, in my view, seriously. Because when you s- you'll see nothing, and that's what you are, in a sense. Yeah. That's how it panned out with me so far, so that's how I like to go that way. So, that's it for today. Well, let's hang out, eh? We just chill out. <laughs> I like this lady. What's happening, honey? What's happening in this life of yours? Yeah. I'm like blessed. I just I've been one or like you actually this started for me in the eighties and I used to be the first in the and here I am.
Yeah. Seemingly. Seemingly. Yes. And from New York. Oh, yeah. Oh, good. Uh, a little. I was born in Oh, you were. Yeah, there's nothing like New Yorkers. <laughs> I have an affinity to them. I like them, they're more direct, mostly. California's tricky because they act like they're very open. At least New York people tell you where they stand. I've heard other people say that. What? I've heard other people say oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. About California. Yeah, yeah. I feel, I feel so. I feel more, there's more loyalty and friendship at these things. You have to, there's so many of us. You, know, you have your little posse. <laughs> the biggest thing when we were growing up was loyalty. Never snitching on anybody. Yeah. As I was confronted with that once, they were interrogating me plain clothes cops and they wanted me to introduce some of they know to some of the people I know but there was no way in hell I was going to do that did you know they were plain clothes cops? oh yeah they had me in the police station they brought me in and they wanted to interrogate me to see if I would meet they have someone that I'd introduce to some dealers I knew and then then I would get less of a charge And it was amazing. I had lots of arrests, and it all, I all got all released after three years of a program, a pre-probation program, because I was young. Well, of course I wasn't, it's the story, but I was younger than 18, so when I got arrested, they put me in a pre-probation program for three years, until 20, and then 20, I finally had the last court date after this three years thing, and then they released me on a B misdemeanor and combined all the charges and I walked out of there with no prison, which was amazing because I was white, basically and also my brother-in-law had money and he got a good lawyer because I never saw the lawyer to that court date and they, they went in him and the other lawyer went in the room with the judge came out and told me I was going to get released just paying them it's like, I didn't see any lawyering at all you know, it had no lawyering it was just all there you go. On the trip, man. So, I gotta go, but I'll see you tomorrow. Great, honey. I'm so happy to see you. Yes. Can you give me a hug, all right? Yeah. Yeah, New York women hug great, too. You gotta get a hug. Have you seen a little bit of it? What's that tempting to Yeah, I mean, it keeps rolling around. You know, that, that cycle I talked about, it's like, you know, it keeps on going and it just clench, like, oh, I'm not seeing it, and then it really feels like there's a me that that's talking about, and then I, I uh, question that. Just let it, just if, uh, if you got any interest, just go to the website. There's tons of free content. It's just triggering the same. It's always yeah, about no, the same yeah, point. And then what will happen is, in a way, see, we there's a sense, without knowing it, we think there's a, a stationary camera location. Yeah, We think this is where we're seeing everything from. Yeah, But that can shift. And so you'll see the same thoughts 
but from a like a, and then you'll realize, oh, you'll see the mental state that's thinking it's having the thoughts. I definitely have a yeah, taste of that. Yeah, just like that taste will lead you to the like the pot roast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that, there's no cheese down that other Yeah, yeah. This is why you know I've watched because I've been doing the, the public stuff for like six years, and so I've a number of people I know and seeing me for six years. Yeah. And you can, I can you can watch it. You know, they sort of. Some are like were real spiritual pros, you know. They finally found elite because it was like they were dying to get permission that they didn't have to do anything. Right. And then once somebody offered that permission, and now their life is blooming and they're much happier than they were when they were all busily looking all the time. Yeah. And it's okay. No roof's gonna fall down and kill you, unless it's supposed to. I mean, but, yeah. yeah. Yeah, this, uh, it's like the, the biggest hook people are released from are their own hook. Literally. We're hung up on, a, on something. And when, when you get taken off of that, and then you realize, oh, that was what it was. Because you, know, you feel so much stupid. Yeah, you were mesmerized, you did going back to the leaf. You mesmerized by the leaf because an experience is going to happen to a name. Yeah, it's very strong. And then all that, that just sets everything in motion. Well, that's why the talks, this is how the talks have evolved in my experience. Yeah. Because I noticed the illness of spiritual seeking when I started going to non-recovery groups. And I saw, and so then downloads occurred to sort of like reverse engineer that and then to see what's happening. And that first myth that usually goes up is that mental myth. And as soon as he catches the ball, it turns the game into the game, whatever game it was. If it's a football and the mitt is a baseball mitt, it's baseball. Yeah. So there's a whole spiritual trap is there, you know, that there's uh, all the satsangs and the books we read just fuel that belief that there's an experience that's going to happen to me. I haven't had it yet. All these, uh, all these supposed gurus talk about what happened to them, so I buy into that as I'm lacking. Yeah. And it's just, it's a, it's a convoluted trap. You can never get out of it until you just realize nothing's ever going to happen. And then that same stuff, though, can occur and not have any uh, right. ability. So right. I can read and everything like that, but it's on your own. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah? I feel like this message it wasn't really I mean I you know I was like oh yeah this yeah, game out of abject suffering for 45 years but I feel like this message wasn't really readily available until not very long ago no no it hasn't you know it was like five years ago I picked up a Tony Carson's book and like but you didn't see a lot of it's a lot of has happened to the message in just these it's 10 involved. or 15 years of People getting be- better at mental states getting involved in it too. Oh, that's right too. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, why would you? Why would, why would you? I don't want to read any books anymore. I just want to go to these things. I like books, but I like more thriller books. Yeah, yeah, I'm reading my one of my old favorites by Philip K. Dick. I love Philip K. Dick. Uh, yeah, when I was growing up, I'm reading Ballast. We're talking about self-help. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm reading that. Yeah. I like, I like that. Was it Fahrenheit four five nine or whatever it is that burned all the books? Yeah. Yeah. 
but see, that, that is necessary if it's necessary, but then, you know, it's like Zen, it says, you know, first there is the mountain, right. then there is no mountain. And then most mental states want it to be never a mountain, but then the mountain appears again, and then everything's okay. You're not, you're not having any trouble with the mountain anymore. You don't have to climb it. Because you made the mountain. mountain. You know what I mean? I have a problem with I mean, I've gotten a lot better at picking up, like, the messages that actually dismantle the fantasy. Yeah. And, and they still help. They still help. Yeah, of course they are. Reminders are great. They're great. And, and I, you know, I, I know right away the ones that are not yeah. dismantled. Yeah. Usually after a time, and it matters your predilections. See, I wanted to be Chinese when I was young. I was doing Tai Chi, I swear. I, I like the old detached Taoist type of look. So I was busily, of course, I could never be Chinese. It was Anglo-Saxon, whatever. But I have that bent, so I love the cryptic Zen and Tao stuff, which is one sentence, you know, like, you can't use agitation to produce stillness, that would be agitation, that to me, has, that's like an encyclopedia of download occurs when I entertain that idea, yeah, that's what happens, it can be the slightest little trigger, and the amount that downloads isn't, isn't in measure with the slightest trigger, it's can be an avalanche. So the course does that for me a lot. There was a few things I was introduced to, like the second lesson had the biggest impact, which is you and I give everything all the meaning it has. Because every time I did the lesson, I would there would be the scene before the table got to be a table. Like there would be a distinct time where I would be, there would be the emptiness. Like every time I did it. So it had a huge impact on me, and it still does, and I always share that lesson. Yeah. And then the other things, I haven't read the course like, in years in a way, but some of the still sticks, like the dreaming of the dream, because it's the mind that gives meaning to the book. So the mind is using what it wants to use to remind itself. That's the value. It's always the value is inherently in the mind. The mind, yeah? Just like Carlos Castaneda, a lot of people thought he was a fraud, yeah? But look at what those books did for people. A lot of people have triggered a lot of stuff. So it doesn't matter the messenger, it's the message. And it's actually who receives the message is going to make it what it is. Yeah? Yeah. So. Oh, she thought I think I totally, and you know, and I read the course like everybody else, I read this experience. Power of now. It was just like the toaster thing for me. I decided that getting suicidally depressed was the way to. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That, if, that's, if, it, if that doesn't do it, I'll be dead anyway. Well, that was pretty much always my plan. Yes. Yeah. You know, suicidally depressed or like go to hell, you know. Yeah. And, yeah, and, yeah. and then hoping that it, then everything would just break apart. Yeah. I had that. I, had, I did that several times and it worked for yeah. that moment. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think anyone says anything. It's just how the heads hear it, you know, like you immediately use it to exile yourself from the possibility because you are on a bench when it happened, whatever. You know? Yeah, it's tricky, so I never say anything pretty much because I don't, I want to keep it as bare as possible so people came in with nothing, leave with nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, you know, something to me is a burden, really. You want to have it as clear as nothing is possible. Yeah, yeah. But there are people that seem like they often this pretty much the same message as you that are clear that they never had any like aha moment. 
Yeah, they don't need it. It's not necessary. It's just what mind does. Yeah. Let's say if let's say if mind decides it's going to manifest in a movie-like version, so it can it can have a part of a movie where it forgets what it is, and then through time and events and meeting people, it remembers what it is. It can do whatever it wants. It's dreaming, you know. Some it says, I, "I was in the dream, not thinking of anything," and then everything changed in a nanosecond. That's another version. Yeah. I mean, it's an incredible, you know, movie going on. And why put any kind of restraints on it? Because yeah, you won't see the incredible. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, people get stuck that it's got to be either this way. It can be any way it fucking wants to be. The mind is supreme, <laughs> not us. You know, it's like to me we're like all brushes, and the one artist is using us. Yeah, and and the brush really has no way to understand anything. It's just best to be functional. Realize the water is moving through. You're you're seemingly a hose. And there you go. The water is going to decide where in the garden it wants to sprinkle or where it doesn't. And you just, you just be used, yeah. Yeah. You say that you are the artist, but what do you I say we are the artist. We are, we are. I don't mean you fall. Yeah, yeah. I would say so. And also, in manifestation, we're playing the role of the brush. So we get both roles, which is fucking unbelievable to me. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you really? This place seems as real as it can be when you take it to be so. And then suddenly you don't take it to be so, it doesn't seem so real. You don't, you keep thinking, how can you not see that you're it? You know, that, you know, like people in recovery come in, and this is a basic thing you hear. They had the worst thing that ever happened to them. You know, they're pretty sure that something happened that was the worst thing that ever happened to them. And maybe it's been in their mental altarpiece for years so it's it's the excuse for why a lot of other things haven't happened and it's just like there's a worshipping of it then they come in AA and after about a year or two they share and they go Jesus I just realized that worst thing that ever happened to me is now the best thing that ever happened to me you don't see the power of what we are that here we can have a most extreme version of the worst thing and then it can still seem to be the best thing when our mind changes. Therefore, there's no thing. Yeah, it's all mind. Mind. Yeah, big M mind, like in Zen, old Zen in Chinese, that's why they use the term mind. And mind uh, initiates a lot of something for me. So I like that terminology because it's a living, vibrant activity here. Yeah? That mind, it's, it, it's, it's, like they say in physics, the observer is the biggest influence of any experiment. The mind is the biggest influence here, bigger than anything. Nothing precedes mind, in a sense. So we want to keep giving reality, just like people at these talks, they go, man, I love being here, I feel the light, but on Tuesday. So it's sort of like they go, Rip! they start pledging allegiance to time again. Constantly, constantly you see where their mental states uh, allegiance is to. If they don't care about the light now, they care, will it be there on Tuesday? You see it, it's, it's just overly obvious, because everyone speaks, you can see, you can hear from where they're speaking from. Yeah. And, and you realize that's the dilemma, so how to bring it right back to there, right there, right before the thought that issue is yours, yeah? 
just keep going back there, back there, back there, and it's going to catch. So that's faith in mind. Hmm? Yes, okay. exactly. It's going to catch. Yeah. And all it takes is one recalibration, then 51% of the stock goes to that side, and you travel lighter on a stabilized load. Yeah. Yeah. I've been at every talk, because I've never been at a talk. I've been at thousands of talks. Thank God I never showed up. Or I would have come up for a reason not to give a talk. <laughs> I'm a Yankee fan. I'm loyal. I was looking at their last night. They won. Oh, yeah, I'm a Yankee. My father introduced me to Yankee Stadium when I was five. That was it. Tattooed. I hate Boston. I hate Boston. But I love the Celtics. I love the Boston Celtics, but I hate the Boston Red It's fun. Where can you hate Yes. But in sports, it's That's a blast. Right. Yeah. Hate, have deep emotions about nothing. <laughs> the biggest highs, the lowest lows we had. Worry about when Grandma died. Yeah. What is the red side? I know you guys are suckers. <laughs> You've been losers a long time. Nah, what we're, no, no. Let's go back. Let's talk about 2004. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I know that was a terrible defeat, four in a row. That was super embarrassing. Yes, that keeps that keeps you. That keeps you. Less dangerous. Put your if you have interest in time, spend it on mundane things. Yeah. <laughs> 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 What's difficult if you do something that you think is really important, like if you have that spiritual gene and you think meditation is more important than washing dishes, you know, then that meditation may be used by the mental state like crazy glue. You'll really get bonded to the idea of being a meditator. Or condemning you for not Oh, totally. Out. You'll have a field day. You'll have a field day with that spiritual field. Oh, man. You'll be getting kicked constantly. Oh, man. I had it. I know. I lived under it. I lived under the insanity of having all these rulers and comparing where you are with others and this and what and those. And do you still meditate? Well, I feel meditated, yeah. So a lot of times I lay down, trance out, but I don't have a, a calendar saying meditated today. <laughs> That's the way to get somewhere. <laughs> There's nowhere to go. It's fucking obvious. I did a lot of meditation, seemingly. You know. I had tons of experiences. You'll have lots of experiences, sublime ones. You'll have visions, stuff like that. But basically I realized nothing actually ever changed. Radically, radically, it didn't. Yeah. I read a thing in Tricycle Magazine, a Buddhist magazine. This was years ago. This saved me a lot of time. It was an editorial of a famous meditation teacher who'd been teaching meditation 35 years, and he had a lot of old students that were coming to him after 25 years and saying, "You know, nothing's really happened." And I said, "Thank you." <laughs> Why would I get on that horse if other people who've been on the horse are saying after 25 years, I said, thank you, you've just saved me 25 years. You know what I mean? Why would I exclude myself being different than them? You know, no way. Thank you, I'll move on. Or I was with this Course in Miracles cult in a way, the Endeavor Academy. Incredible place. It's in Wisconsin, but the guy, oh, Chuck Anderson, yeah, that's the teacher. Yes, Chuck Anderson. Oh. I was with them. 
Wow. trip then. So master teacher, he was from recovery. I don't know if you know it or not. And his head cracked open, and then he started teaching. Someone introduced to him from the Course of Miracles, and it resonated, so he taught out of that. Yeah. So I was, I went there to Wisconsin, and I was. I'm sorry, your books? Oh, the books are fifteen, if you like. And, uh, so I, uh, I went there for a month to check them out because I'd been involved with it for a little while, and I met a girl there earlier who was like the biggest light junkie. They had a lot of demonstration, a lot of Kundalini, a lot of light insertion, I mean huge energies, things were happening there. That, you have to give it to them. So I went out with this lady who was like the biggest light junkie of the whole place. She would just be beaming light at these groups. And she told me it didn't mean a damn thing. She saved me a lot of fucking time. Was that for real? Yes. Well, for real, as real as it can be here. When she said it didn't mean a damn thing. Nothing actually radically changed. It was Kundalini and this and that, but nothing basically changed. Well, a lot of it is not enjoyable because it's scary, but then it's enjoyable if you surrender to it. But I mean, people were tri- flipping out there. I mean, they were having psychic breaks. Yeah. Yeah, it was just demonstration, just like Rama Maharshi says. Don't get caught up in the CDs or the powers. Yeah, that's just a diversion. Just stick with the being. Just rest there in the ordinariness of it all. So that that's guy, good. that master teacher, whatever his name was, he wasn't really teaching person. He was teaching through it. Yeah, I'll be time through it. Yeah. But in a, in a good way. Or? Well, I liked it. He was pretty conceptual. He would got way, way out there. But his talks, the, but the energy that was... I kind of had some tapes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was a trip. I was with them for a couple of years. Oh, like, really? Yeah. Yeah, I did a, a video with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we were all in recovery, and they had they gave out. There was videos they used in prison services where they, we shared our stories, because he was in recovery. I knew somebody that, that lived there. Um, I don't know which name he went by, but it was, it was either Gary or Graham Mulberry. I don't know. I didn't know that. Many. I was on the. I was definitely on the fringe. Oh. The people I knew there had been there for years. I just visited it, oh. and then they all split, and we went to Byron. I went with a woman from there to Byron Bay, Australia, where an old center had been there in Byron Bay, and a guy named Hector was the head of from the. Chuck Anderson stuff, and he got kicked out of Australia for physical abuse in a way people were flipping out, you know. So then all these people, but these people had to go through like a huge detox to get over being involved in that. Like the woman I was with, she heard dreamers and totally shot so much energy coming through. She was burnt out for over a year, and a number of the other ones were really fucked up. Yeah, it's different. Like people think Kundalini is great. Kundalini can kill you as a body. Exactly. The energy comes in, and if you're, if you're not prepared in a way, it's like 110, a 110 line having 220 voltage yeah. put in, and you're going to blow it, it'll blow up. I had it, and I almost, it set off heart problems. It'll, yeah. it'll exasperate the organs of the body. Yeah. Does it have any part of it? Well, if you survive. Yeah, that's why people call me up. I say, don't act out and don't die, and everything's going to get great. You know, because what happens is when something like that occurs, the basic primary tape 
of the mental state starts playing, which is the fear of mortality. Yeah, like it knows that it doesn't exist, but it fucking wants to appear to exist, and it's very strong. Right. Yeah, and when something starts happening, that over it will they'll keep chirping to a point where it doesn't chirp, and then there's a sense of abject terror there. Yeah, but you're still functioning. But there's no more chirping, but there's like an abject terror. You're like almost looking in the void, as they say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this is what happens. So the Kundalini and stuff, or the energy insertion, can produce such a stress on the body and the mental states identified with the body that it triggers the primal tapes of the body. Yeah. So let's say if you're having an event for months, then that tape is going to be playing under uh, there a lot. Where, like for me, this time, I believed... I have I just rent a room in this house with some people. I've been there eleven years. And I have money in the room, so I took money out and I put it in an envelope and I stuck some of the bills out and left them on a nightstand because I knew I was leaving. Yeah. I just didn't want my roommates to be stuck with the body. But I knew I was going and this was like a lot. Like a lot of nights. Because it was just like the light had uh, not just light but acceleration like the speed of light was being sensed, which was fucking unbearable to the mental state. What about adding... Hmm? So, that experience of light, powerful energy, seems to be um, easier to, to channel with uh, mixed in, and also on a, um, also on a raw food, or even just raw foods, or maybe raw foods, then there's a sense like it's too slow, the energy, the electric pills. That's one sort, that's one level, but... There's, ampl- there's amplification of that energy. But Kundalini without love seems to be destructive, whereas with love, and it, with love it comes in like, like for example, it's like a huge thing of water, but love will be like, oh, well, you're this big, so we're going to make a little adapter, and we're going to make it come in the size that you are, because that's love and grace. But that's not, not all Kundalini events are the same energy. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe yeah. there's a so you have, kind of like you have different kundalini events some are much more subdued energetically than others others can get out of hand and also have a much longer duration like maybe six to nine months you know it's funny I think kundalini is the same event so to speak with a different um, word definition of it as a um, like born again holy spirit Um, you think so? oh yeah because I was having those exact same experiences in a Christian church hmm yeah this is they was this was a lot very evangelical what yeah. was going on in the course of this time yeah. with that thing cult yeah and they were he was combining AA with it in a way too because oh, we were we were having AA meetings there and everything so you kind of teach you how to have no 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 these were all byproducts yeah. just the whole energy of the room and the sharing would produce a field, so to speak. So I'd, I'd walk in and there would be a lady three, three places away from me going, woo, woo, woo. Others would be getting up and trans, what, you know, things were happening like that a lot. Like you'd be like at a church. I'd never been to an evangelical church. But shit like that was going on, like a lot, you know. So there was a lot of demonstration and they'd call it light insertion. You know, energy would insert and then do what it's thing. And we'd have dancing afterward. So you'd have the talk, 
you know, the reading and then the talk, and then they had a DJ and they play music, and you could stay there and everyone would get into a nice ecstatic fervor, and things would happen. Yeah, it was a very interesting formulation. Yeah, yeah. But how I first got introduced to it was in Shasta with this group. My friend who I met in India got involved and he called me up and said, forget Sai Baba, my mind's cracked open with the course. And then it got garbled, I didn't hear the rest of the message. This guy Peter White. And then he got in touch with me again. Or actually I was talking at a cafe and some people from this group heard me and they said, do you know the course? I didn't, you know, but I was just talking from whatever. And they said, well, you, we're going to have this thing. And it was Peter White, the guy who had called me, because he was coming around teaching. So I went to Mount Shasta, and we'd have uh, three-day intensives up there near a railroad station. And the, the people are gone now, but we'd have, and I'd go up there and just laugh the whole fucking time. It was great. You know, because it was describing the mental house that I thought I was a resident in, <laughs> and how could I be a resident in it if it could so very well be described so clearly? So it was hilarious. Yeah. And so I went, you know, I got involved with it, and it just wasn't for me in the long run, because I think people have asked me to speak from the course, it gets too convoluted. I think the distillation of how we're presenting it now is cleaner, simpler. And I could, I'd rather just get to one point. It's like one hammer, one nail, and just keep hitting that one nail. Yeah. Don't expand on anything else, because without the seeming right view, nothing really matters. Like in Buddhism, they say, the Eightfold Path, right view, right livelihood, right meditation. Most people think they can make the right view by right meditation, but the view makes the meditation right. Who's yeah? Who's we? Who are the we? What do you mean? You use the word we a lot. Oh, it's just I'm talking about me, but I like All the we. Things. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I have a, a question that might seem like a non sequitur, but I'm buying this book for my mom who wanted it, the woman in white, that was my mother. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She said, what's the significance of the be and the word? I don't know. I didn't have anything to do with it. I thought you might say that. But my friend, <laughs> this is an old, actually, it's a really significant in one way. It is. Because there's this famous guy in recovery where I live called Walking Don. He was in San Quentin for 40-something years. Most of his life was incarcerated. And when he got out, he got sober, and he started walking everywhere in San Francisco. And then he kept on walking. So he's walked across country a few times. He's walked down to Mexico. I mean, the guy's like in his 70s now. He wears cut-off shorts like all year round. He's just a freaking trip. But he became a photographer in his 70s. It was such a beautiful what happened getting yeah. sober. He became a photographer. I was there because he was living where I was living when he first got the idea. He had to learn computer, he had to learn everything. And he became an incredible nature photographer because he walks in nature all the time. And he'll sit for hours to catch something. And so he's got this picture, and I like both these things, hummingbirds and bees. Well, that's the perfect, that's very significant. Yeah, yeah. For my mother, what you just said. Oh, yeah. She's walked across America. Oh, really? Yeah, this guy, Walking Don Moseman, he's perfect. the one who did it. He's a, he's a trip. He's still, he's still alive. I see him when I'm back home. But he is a freaking trip. Yeah. So he walked, like, unbelievable. He walked the lower part, the higher part. Yeah. Yeah. He liked, you know, because he was in a jail cell most of his life. So he went, obviously, the dualistic swing was oh, yeah. the other way. This is what happens. 
how life story you can see maybe all the basic movements. Let's say the addict recovery. There's two swings right there. You know what I mean? You could see out of all the particulars, if you got a larger picture, you'd see maybe five different beats of the pendulum. This way, this way, this way, this way. Eighty years this way, maybe four. You know, slowly going this way, going to this extreme and to that extreme. This is what happens here. It's a dualistic dream. Yeah, an addict becomes recovered. Two extremes, totally extreme. But you weren't the addict, nor are you the recovered person. That's the solution. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You see, or like people are always just watch what happens. Someone was confined, and then now they're out there all the time. It's just the movement. Yeah. It's always dualism, duality explains quite a lot. If you can see the templates that they've offered in some of these messages, the templates of sound, yeah? So here's all this seeming activity going on. The template goes over it, and then you make sense of it. Oh, it's like low tide and high tide, basically, yeah? And you're seemingly thinking you're independent, separate, which you're not. As an action figure, you're moved over here, and then you go over there, and over here, and over there, and then there's a story that we're doing it, going with it, but basically it's happening, yeah? Yeah. Watch it. Check out your whole life. Yeah. You had your life with the business, and then it went completely, and then it got reinvigorated and gone this way. It happens quite a lot. It's part of the theme of the movie here. And there's richness to it. You can act incredibly on it. You know, what better story is like a, like a phoenix rising from the ashes? What fucking better story is that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What's better is a California girl is going to give you a hug and change your mind about California. Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> you never know when that's going to be. Oh, I like this California girl. Yeah, and then oh. on the other side, we're not going to talk about it. Oh, oh, Thanks for holding the space. Awesome. Like most of them awesome. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, it's a pleasure. I'm really happy I came. I was yeah. happy anyway, but I'm happy to be here. How long are you going to be in town? Just tomorrow. We have one more talk if you want to come. Then we're going to go home. Either tomorrow or Monday morning. Oh, and home. In Mill Valley, California. You live in Mill Valley? Yeah. Yeah. About 11 years. Wow. Yeah. Do you have all the time, probably? We have two now. Yeah, I know. I just gave it to Yeah. I go to the, I go to the one on Miller, the little yes, one. I went to the little one. I live in Tam Valley. You live in Tam Valley? Oh, yeah. Oh, honey, yes. Thank you. We may not even have a meeting. I'm feeling like this is the goodbye of our goodbyes. <laughs> Let me see. Somebody's got to come back tomorrow. I'll come back tomorrow. Oh, I want to hug. You can get more massage. Only if you call me a Yeah. Yeah, we're we're simpatico, bro. Yeah. So, Tim Valley Island, that's Where? You know that intersection where you're going to go to Spencer Beach? Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I live right there, yeah. You live at Tam Junction. You live right at the gas station. Yeah, yeah. At the surf shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I knew Dolan. Yeah. 
I live on Shoreline Highway, okay. near the 7-Eleven. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry I didn't put out the shirts in a nice manner. I'm always running into lack of interest. Well, I'm taking your book. Yeah. And then I'll pay you tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. No I'll pay you tomorrow. All right. <laughs> what, what shirts you got? Fifteen. Fifteen. Oh, I have men's shirts. Yeah, I've got a good one to do. I may have it outside in the car, but I have plenty of it. What are they yeah, I mean, I don't feel like I'm going to I mean, I don't feel like I'm going to I got you. I'll bring you one. I was. I'll have to pay tomorrow. All right. Choose it now so you get it out of the way.